Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. What is heaven like? From time to time, we've all asked that question. Maybe during Holy Week, especially Easter, as we recognize the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, or maybe the funeral of a loved one. We've often thought of heaven. Now, when we think of heaven, what are some of the images that come to mind? The images of what God really looks like, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Or maybe the fact that we have the opportunity now to see the saints or even the apostles talk with St. Peter and St. Paul, find out from them what it was like to start the early church or other saints like Thomas Aquinas or still other people that we can see, you know, relatives, aunts, uncles, grandparents that have died before us or maybe famous people like Abraham Lincoln or now all the secrets of the universe are revealed to us. And so, what really is heaven like? I'm sure we all have different images in our mind. In the gospel, Jesus now gives us an image of heaven, and he gives it to us in terms of his Father's house. Now, in order to understand this gospel passage for this weekend, again, we have to understand the context in which it is all set in. Right now, Jesus is with his apostles in the upper room. They're celebrating the Last Supper. And now Jesus is telling the apostles about his impending death. That's why he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God. Have faith also in me. Jesus, right now, he wants to protect his apostles from their despair that they're going to see. They're going to see something the next day that is going to be shocking, revolting. Jesus dead on the cross. So he wants to prepare them from that. Most importantly, he also wants to prepare them from discouragement when the persecution comes their way, and it did. They had to be prepared for that also. And so only the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, can calm their anxieties. See, Jesus is trying to reassure the apostles, and now us, that our death is something not to be afraid of. Instead, death is a doorway to a new and eternal life. You could say it's a passage of life from this world to the next, to the world we are all tending to, the world of heaven. And therefore, we shouldn't be afraid of death, not at all. Instead, what we should do is, with great deal of excitement, you know, look upon what awaits us. What we have to really believe in is there is a life, a world, that is far, far better than the world we know today, and it awaits us all. Now, notice what Jesus says next. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If they're not what I have told, I'm going to prepare a place for you. There are many dwelling places. The implication here, well, it's a full house, which means heaven can accommodate a lot of people. And yet, throughout the centuries, there's always been speculation as far as who would be allowed into heaven and who wouldn't be. 
If you read the writings of St. Augustine, even Thomas Aquinas, they recognized and they believed very few people would be allowed into heaven. Very few would be saved. More to it, what increased the speculation was maybe 10 years ago. You might remember the Left Behind series, a series of books talking about the great rapture that was found in the book of Revelation, in which about 150,000 people would be taken, would be raptured up into heaven, and everyone else would be left behind. Well, if you look at this gospel, Jesus, I think, is telling us that heaven can accommodate a lot of people. So that should bring us a sense of joy. Jesus also says, I will prepare a place for you. What's the assumption here? Well, there's a room ready for all of us in the Father's house. If we keep the faith, then there is a space, a reservation for us in heaven, a space specifically reserved for each and every one of us who have kept the faith. Next, he says, if they were not what I have told you, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you there myself so that where I am, you also may be. Where I am going, you may know the way. Well, Jesus is telling us when we are about to transition or leave this world to the next, Jesus does not just send a saint or an angel to help us on the journey. He doesn't send maybe a, for, a relative that has passed before us. No, instead, Jesus Christ comes himself. He will take us himself from the journey of this world to heaven. Well, it makes sense, doesn't it? Jesus was the first one who blazed the trail that brought about the resurrection from the dead. It seems only right, only fitting, that Jesus should also bring about our own resurrection. Now, what really is the imperative here? That we must always keep heaven as the ultimate goal in our life. Now, we all have different goals in our lives based upon different stages of our life. When we're young and just starting out, our goal was to maybe get a good job, buy a house. Later on in life, our goal was to save enough money to retire. So we all have different goals in our life. There's nothing wrong with that. But the ultimate goal in our life should always be heaven. St. John Chrysostom once said, We are resident aliens in this world. Therefore, our gaze and our heart should always be fixated on the goal, which is heaven. Now, what does he mean by that? We are resident aliens. He means that our citizenship does not belong in this world. Instead, our citizenship belongs in heaven. Heaven is our true homeland. It's the world we are all tending to, the world that we all desire. And therefore, we are true citizens of that world. That's essentially where we belong, where we must live forever. Now, don't make the mistake of thinking, okay, I should be fixated on heaven. Therefore, I'm going to forget about everything else in this world or everyone else and be concerned about how I can get to heaven. I'm going to divest myself from this entire world. No, on the contrary. In fact, if we keep heaven as our ultimate goal, fixated on it, then it should compel us to engage the world with a deep passion. Great example of this. Look at the saints. The saints were constantly fixated on the goal. Heart, mind, soul, their will, their intellect, they were constantly fixated on the goal of heaven. And yet at the same time, they had a deep passion to engage the world in different ways on how they ministered. Mother Teresa, for example, 
again, fixated on the goal, never turning away from it, she engaged the world by establishing own order, the missionaries of charity, and the going around the world to care for the homeless and the hungry and the sick and the dying. How about St. Catherine Drexel? Born in Philadelphia in the 19th century, gave away her entire inheritance of $30 million. In today's terms, it would probably be about a half a billion dollars. Established her own order to care for the Native Americans in the United States. St. Catherine of Siena, she always fixated on the goal. In the 13th century, she united a splintered church that was fractured because of poor leadership. St. Francis Xavier, always fixated on the goal, became one of the great missionaries of our church, went to places like India, China, and Japan, converted hundreds of thousands of people to Christianity. And so the saints engaged the world. That's what they made them who they are. Well, so must we. From Vatican II, there came a very important document called Gaudium et Spes. And in it, it is basically the constitution of a church in the modern world. And it spoke specifically to engaging the world. It said it is duty for all Catholics to engage the world, to bring God to all people. And see, notice what Jesus says at the very end of the gospel passage for this weekend. He says, Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and they will do greater ones than these, because I am going to the Father. When Jesus means, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, eventually, basically, he wants us to engage the world, but always firmly with our goal fixated on heaven. Now, you say to yourself, well, you can't do both. It appears they essentially contradict each other. No, on the contrary, each builds upon the other. I'll give you a great analogy. You go out at night, you look out in the sky, and you see a full moon. The night is lit up, and it's completely lit up because of the full moon. It's giving off so much light in the middle of the night. It's radiating so much light down to the earth that somehow the earth becomes bright again. And therefore, at midnight, one, two o'clock in the morning, you have enough light to walk and successfully navigate with relative safety. You know, you see that rock and that path, that tree and that car, without any street lights whatsoever, because the moon is radiating so much light. Now, does the moon actually produce that light? Is it the source of that light? No. The moon essentially is a dead planet. You know, it's nothing more than a rock. And yet, it's radiating all this light. Well, how does that come to be? Well, it's the sun. The sun is the source of that. It shines on the moon, it illuminates the moon, and then the light from the moon reflects down to the earth, and thereby radiating the earth. Now, stay with that image and apply it to the gospel that Jesus is talking about, especially when he says at the very end, do the works that I do. Yes, we must always have our eyes, our heart, our will, our intellect fixated on the goal, heaven, because we are resident aliens. Our citizenship doesn't belong here, it belongs in heaven. And yet we can't forget our duty to engage the world, to do the works that Jesus does. See, that's what the saints did. And now we must also. If we truly are good stewards, then we share our prayers, our service, and our treasure with others. As Paul says in Corinthians, these are charisms, special gifts given to us by God 
for the express purpose of building up the church, our faith communities. And see, the implication here is if we truly share our prayer and our service and our treasure with others, we act as a spiritual moon for those people we serve. What do I mean by this? Well, go back to the analogy again. It's the sun that is the source of that light. It illuminates the moon, and in doing so, the moon reflects that light down to the earth, and we are able to see at night. Well, apply that spiritually speaking. When we go out and serve people, whether it's singing in the choir, whether it's catechism, you know, teaching the faith to the children, or whether it's bringing communion to the homebound, essentially what we do is we act like a moon. We bring the illuminating light of Jesus Christ into people's life. It shines out of us and we reflect it down to those people who we are ministering or serving. Now, are we the source of that light? No, neither is the moon. Instead, the source of that light is the presence of Christ inside of us. And what happens? We reflect that presence, that divine illuminating light of Christ onto those people that we minister to regardless of what it is. And then what happens? Just like the moon radiates or illuminates the earth, now we illuminate or radiate the light of Jesus Christ on those people. And the people see that. They see that light. They're reminded of Jesus' words. They're reminded of what the ultimate goal is, that we are resident aliens. And now they too engage the world themselves. And it only happens because of that light. You know, that is reflecting off of us from Christ. That's why we become a spiritual moon for those people. And see, that's what the gospel is really all about. Notice how it begins. Jesus telling us what heaven is like. And how does it end? Jesus saying that we must engage the world. As he says, do the works that I do. And that's what we must do too. Fixated always on the goal and then compelled to engage the world to bring that illuminating light of Christ into other people's lives. Folks, if you want to catch a glimpse of heaven, reread this gospel passage. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.